doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory. McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 23 of The Outsiders. I'm Bryn Griffiths along with Robin Brownlee. Boy, that intro, we're going to have to change because we mentioned the Edmonton Eskimos. And also, hey, one other thing you got to take a look at too here, and we got to stay relevant, got to stay up to to speed. The other thing too is that that Raptors highlight might be completely oblivious in another week the way they've been playing against the Boston Celtics. So (laughs) we're going to have to make some changes. Well, there's lots of good stuff out there. We we can, uh, you know what, maybe we'll test run, uh, you know, once we get in this groove since yes. returning, because it's only been a little while, and a uh, new setup and all that. Um, hey, maybe we look at some other stuff, right? It's, it's a time of change, and uh, we'll move along with it just fine. Speaking of which, you and I were chatting earlier, I love it when I get the chance to use the word discombobulate. <laughs> I'm discombobulated right now. I'm looking here at some of the things we can, we can touch on. NHL draft will be done virtually October 6th and 7th. Okay. October. Yeah, October. Not June. Yeah. Free agency begins October 9th. Um, that's different. Yeah. And next season, are we talking about a January start? I don't know, but it could be. We're going to have to wait and see. Even December, January, we're into a whole new setup now. We're into a whole new timetable. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but it's certainly different. Well, you know what? Having the NHL season start in the month of December was okay for me, but I, I really tune in aggressively to the World Junior Hockey Championship over the holidays. So am I going to miss the NHL season through the holiday season? Not really. If it wants to start up in January as soon as the World Juniors are over, I'm fine with that. Just be ready to go. And then the other thing is how are they going to do it? Are we going to have more yeah. hubs? Well, that would be great. Edmonton and Toronto shouldn't be hubs after going through what they've gone through. And it all depends on who you talk to. And you and I talked to a lot of people. I've heard that both Toronto and Edmonton have done fabulous jobs. There's a real yeah. hatchet. There's a real hatchet job constantly being done on Edmonton by Eastern media. I don't know what the like. What's their problem? Like really? Like I I don't get it. Like wh- why can't you just tell both cities they've done a remarkable job? We haven't had a single positive test yet. If the NHL is telling the truth. So why not just congratulate both cities? And I know both cities are the most despised sports cities in Canada. Am I, am I fair saying that? People in, the, people in the country don't like Toronto, and they don't like Edmonton. It's always been like that. Yeah, I, I hear you. You know what? To me, it's petty. Um, the same oh, yeah. people tend to do it all the time, and then the follow-up is, well, you know, uh, it was just a fact. It wasn't meant to be a troll job. You know, there's more stuff in Toronto. You look at their bubble. You know what? So what? Who cares? Um, good. And the guy, the one guy who was 
who was quoted as mentioning it, Brad Marchand, well, he doesn't need to worry about the bubble anymore. The Boston Brewers didn't win anything. Correct. Yeah, absolutely so, correct. And you know what, Robin? You know, we're, we're down to four teams here. Why yeah. are amenities that essential now? Like what? <laughs> like right now, now you're playing for the Stanley Cup. You're down to the, we're down to the final four teams. Yeah. You know what, Brent, and you know this, it's catching teams on the way out, catching players on the way out. What do you think? I'm not saying it's not legit. I mean, people have to fill their notebooks even when their team is done. Uh, slip. I mean, that's easy. That's a, you know what, you're talking about what Edmonton was lacking or that Toronto had better amenities. Yeah, maybe that's true, but it's the equivalent of a fart joke, right? I mean, if, if you got if you got to go there, you're really not very funny. Uh, same thing with what's this. wrong. What's wrong with uh, fart jokes? Well, <laughs> I'm. You're I'm laughing. You're you're laughing. I brought it up, and you're laughing. Okay, now let's all let's be grown up here. The point is. The point being, you can do it if you want. I don't. I'm not going to get my knickers in a knot because if you do that, it's the old oh everybody's against us thing. You know what? If you want to write that piece or if you want to say that, go ahead. That's not the point. Yeah. The point you touched on. The both cities have done a fabulous job, and that that includes the government, the bubble people, and the teams and the medical people. We're playing. Stanley Cup, and we don't have a bunch of people getting sick. That's boring, maybe, but that's the bottom line. So, a success on on both sides. Now, let's see what happens from here on. Do you like the four teams that are in? Are you surprised? And by the way, we had Ian McIntyre on yes. last on our last podcast, and we talked about how the Vancouver Canucks were. I hate using the word magical, but they they had a great run. They had a fun yeah. run. It was, a, it was a pleasure to watch the Vancouver Canucks. Not easy to say when you're out in the West, but but it was it was enjoyable. But now you've got Dallas and you've got Vegas and you've got Tampa and you you know you you have the surprising New York Islanders who are not hard to dislike right from their head coach out. So uh, it's uh, it's kind of fun to watch it at least for me so far. Well, it's it's interesting because we talked about. You know, when you look at what would you like to see, and, and we're always having to look ahead because of the time lag. I go for the, you know, I go for the best story. I'm not a fan, per se, of any of these teams. I like uh, Dallas because they are, they've been the upset special so far. They were supposed to bow, you know, uh, before getting here uh, to a team that a lot of people were picking to go all the way. It didn't happen. Um, Vegas is a terrific story. Third year in the league, let's not forget that. Yeah, they had a lot of help the way the draft was set up, but the fact is they've done something with it, and they're a good story. Tampa, um, they're there all the time. You can't knock them for that, but it's not. Their Tampa story has been told more than once with the success they've had in, in recent years. The Islanders, Jordan Everly. Hey, maybe does Jordan Everly win a Stanley Cup in Edmonton, uh, in New York Islanders silks? Because he isn't winning it in Edmonton silks. Uh, no, no, he's not. It, it's easier for me uh, of the four teams to like the New York Islanders. 
we're talking about a team. It took 29 years to get back to the Eastern final. But uh, I just, I think that you're right. We've seen a lot of Tampa. So it might be a little burnout factor there. Dallas, people don't like Corey Perry, right? So immediately he's, uh, he's Mr. Bad Boy there. Uh, I, I, I like uh, I like Jamie Benn. I think he's a hell of a hockey player. And yeah. uh, their goaltender is kind of refreshing. So there's some positives and some negatives there. And, and Rick Bonus is a hell of a coach. And, uh, you know, if he won, I'm, I'm like you. When you cover teams for a living, you start to cheer for good guys. You don't cheer for jerseys, right? And then the yeah. other team, Las Vegas. I know a lot of people – are struggling to cheer for Las Vegas because of the quick success. So there's a lot of positives and negatives, and we'll see how it plays out over the next little while. Hey, let's get back to the draft thing for a minute. The more they move it around, same thing with free agency, the less my intensity towards really being keen on it is uh, is heightened. Uh, you know, it's, it's easy in June. You kind of gear yourself up a little bit. Now, once this playoff is done, might be a little easier to get involved in it. I know one thing, salary cap issues are going to be playing out heavily for a lot of teams. It's going to be a lot of moves. Yeah. And, you know, I think it was Taylor Hall was talking about for him, it's all about it's going to have to recognize that there might not be the big payday anymore. So for him, it might be going to a team where he can win. Hasn't had a lot of success in that department. But, uh, but what he said is probably going to be very applicable to other players. Well, you're right. I mean, the flat cap makes a difference. Taylor Hall is not staying where he is. Taylor Hall will sign a one-year contract somewhere until uh, there's an opportunity for the money to get better. And let's put this in, in, in context. Taylor Hall has, already has all the money he will ever be able to spend in his lifetime and the lifetime of any children. So he's fine. But... Uh, you know, at this point, when you've made the dough Taylor's made, I think he was hoping things might be uh, on the upswing in Arizona. Uh, that's not the case. Uh, they've, they've gone sideways. So, yeah, go where you can win. And hopefully a team that has a chance to win also has some room for you uh, in the payroll because a lot of those teams with a chance to win have that chance for a reason. They're... Uh, uh, at or near the cap, and they've got a pretty set team. But yeah, it's 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 different this year. The other thing too, I'm with you. This virtual the the virtual draft. Like again, you've worked as a media guy. You've worked as a team guy. I've always been on the media side of the fence. Now the fans may not care, but I always thought the draft was fun because a you try and get the story. Let's tell the people about the kids uh, in a way that you can't just find in looking up the statistics or, or, you know, uh, going to the scouting rankings. You can see that in black and white. And that's what a lot of the teams uh, took a real interest in too. What kind of kid is this? The stories we've heard in the past, if you go by the Oilers, you know, them talking and all of a sudden to a kid and all of a sudden in steps Dave Semenko from the coaching staff ask the big question and see how the kid uh, responds. Well, all that's gone now. It, it's going to look much like a bunch of, uh, you know, guys in a sports pool draft. Uh, 
I take this guy, I take that guy. We're, there's no interviews. There's no access to media. Well, do we know uh, that yet, Robin? Media. Robin, do we know that yet? Yeah. Well, there's not going to be widespread where, uh, situation where they parade them around uh, and they meet with scads of media. Is it, could it expand between now and October 6th and 7th? Or sure. Me, October 9th? Uh, it could, it, it, it could um, but I don't, we don't know that yet. Part of it was the milling about, hey, and part of it, again, fans may not care. Reporters get together, you go out for dinner, you, you, you tell some stories, you hear some stories. A lot of it's the personality stuff. If that doesn't come up now, like the top five kids, I can read their stats anywhere. The top 50 for that matter, the top 100. Tell me about the kids. Tell me why this guy's number one and not the guy that the scouting staffs have ranked right behind him. Uh, why that kid is number one? What's the difference between one, two, three, four, and five? Well, that's often told in stories that don't involve dry black and white statistics. I don't know that we're going to get that this year. I'm, I'm sure my enthusiasm will pick up as we get a little closer to the month of October. But <laughs> right now, when you start hearing so. when you start hearing the word frost. Or in some parts of Alberta this past weekend, snow. You know, so uh, you know we'll we'll get there. Hey, two other quick little uh, sidebar stories too. Uh, U.S. Open at this time last year, we watched a woman from Canada crowned as the women's champ, and uh, it yes. was Bianca. And uh, and the uh, the story this time around is Dennis Shapovalov. Uh, oh boy, here we go, Shapovalov. Uh, who is Shapovalov? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, it's funny, you know. I was just <laughs> thinking today how much easier his names become to pronounce, and I just butchered the hell out of it. Anyway, the <laughs> the uh, you know he's been a fun story to watch. The Canadians in tennis, uh, there's a big improvement, and uh, it's getting more fun to watch every year. And then the other thing is uh, what the Boston Bruins have been doing. Boston Bruins. What is going on with me here? I think I should probably put a little. All right. Might have to put a little Bailey's in my coffee today. Uh, what the Boston Celtics have done to the to the defending NBA champs, the Toronto Raptors, has been really kind of surprising. But we'll see how that plays out over the next week or so. But the other thing that has really been tough for me on Labor Day was not being able to tune in the Canadian Football League. Not only from the Sunday where we would always watch the Riders and the Bombers, but right through to yeah. the Monday where it was the Tiger Cats and the Argonauts and the Eskimos and the Stampeders, it really left a, a sizable emotional hole for me that day. I was uh, I was having a tough time with that. That's the one day, and might be the only day, where you have that real emotional feeling about the Canadian Football League. And here starts the real season, and it, we just didn't have it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I'm with you, Brent. I'm a big CFL fan. You know, I don't miss a game, whether it's on TV or at the park. And, you know, in the last couple of years, I've had some fun uh, here in Edmonton uh, writing a little bit about them with for the Canadian press. But no Calgary, Edmonton, no, uh, you know, Saskatchewan, uh you know, nothing back east with Hamilton. It just doesn't seem right. Mind you, it hasn't seemed right since the start of what was supposed to be the season. I mean, we can get into this with Morley Scott later, 
but yeah, it's, it's, it's odd that you're, anytime you're wrapping up summer, I'm looking toward that home and home with the Stampeders uh, and Edmonton. And we didn't have that. And you saw a lot of news come out of that where, you know, I don't know if you saw it, Bryn, some people across the country, they were showing up at their home parks and posting some weenies and having some beers uh, in the parking lot with the uh, awning set up just like there was going to be a game. Uh, sadly, there hasn't been any, but yeah, it, it kind of leaves a hole as we, as we head into fall for sure. Well, you said we were going to be chatting with Morley Scott, who's the play-by-play radio voice on 630 Chad of the Edmonton Wichamacallits. Uh, yes. And, we're, you know, I'm really curious to see how he went through it. If you think it's tough for us, these guys would, <laughs> just, these guys would love to, to be talking a little Canadian Football League, which we're going to do coming up shortly. So hang on. Morley Scott coming up next. Oh, yeah, that's the dagger, all right? There's no denying that. You know, I was thinking about this earlier today, and, you know, how do you, how do you introduce our next guest and I want to say the longtime voice of the Edmonton Eskimos. However, his predecessor was really the super longtime voice. Morley Scott joins us from 630 Ched. Morley, you've been doing this for a while. It's not like you just stepped into it like two years ago. Yeah, no, this is, uh, it would have been my 11th season doing Eskimo games or EE games or Edmonton Football Club games uh, on on 630 Ched. Yeah, I was looking forward to season number 11, but I guess season number 11 will come in my 12th year. Gotta, I, I just have to echo what we were just talking about before we brought you on here, and that was I felt an emotional vacancy this weekend on Labor Day, not having an Eskimo or Stampeder being uh, yelled at in some respects. How was it for you? Weird. I cut the grass on Labor Day. I haven't done that in a long, long time. I uh, made supper on Labor Day. I haven't done that in a long, long time. Uh, yeah, it was really weird. Uh, so used to being in Calgary and, and being a part of the game. The, the routine is we leave usually Saturday afternoon, early evening, and, and head down after practice here and then uh, spend Sunday with the teams at McMahon Stadium. And then uh, Monday is game day and come home Tuesday morning. But it was... Uh, it was really weird. Uh, I can't imagine for guys who've been in this league and around longer than me, and, and for especially for the fans. That's what I noticed the most on social media, watching the reaction from fans. Uh, I think it really hit them hard this past weekend that there's no season this year because they were uh, they were lamenting not doing what they normally do. And it was great to see some people do what they normally do. Uh, I know uh, of at least one Eskimo fan who went to Calgary. Uh, just because he would have been going because the game was on. I know they uh, they had some uh, Stampeder fans doing a tailgate in the parking lot at McMahon Stadium just because that's what they would have been doing anyway. Uh, that was great to see, but I feel I feel bad for the fans more than anybody else. Uh, fans and the players are the guys who have really taken this the hardest because uh, it's it's such an important part of their lives. And the thing is, Morley, you know this well because you've been behind the mic a long time now. Club, um, 
call it Canadiana, call it what you want. Uh, I've always been one who's a big fan of the Canadian Football League. Is the NFL good? Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I don't compare the two. You measure things sometimes in this in the media, the sports media business by you know, the start of the hockey season is here. Training camp is here. For me, it's that plus the football. Um, whether I've been covering them or not, I think, okay, here's training camp. Here's the kickoff. Um, more recently this weekend, okay, it's, it's, it's home and home, uh, Stamps uh, and Edmonton. And it just seems to leave a big hole. And I saw people doing what you mentioned, going to different parts around the league I saw on Twitter, setting up uh, the roaster and the awning and sitting there like there was going to be a game on. People truly do miss it, don't they? Absolutely. And and I think it really hit home this week more than, than any other week. I mean, we've all, I think all, the, all football fans and CFL fans had that hope that, okay, it's delayed, it's postponed, but it's going to get here. And then there was so much talk about, well, we're going to get here and, and start in September sometime and play six games, play eight games and have playoffs. And I think that would have satisfied people. Uh, but uh, it didn't happen. And I think this weekend was kind of that was, as you mentioned, Robin, it's a mile. It's a, it's one of those mile markers, right. In, in pro sports. I mean, guys, our age, for as long as we can remember, if you, if you were, if you've lived in Edmonton, you got up on Labor Day, you watched the football games from the Canadian Football League, from Hamilton and from Calgary, and the next mm-hmm. day you went to school. Uh, you know, and that's that's just how so many of us grew up. There was it's just it's just things we did on Labor Day and the day after, right? That's how it worked all the time. And I think not to be able to do that uh, this weekend was it was pretty tough on a lot of people, myself included, because uh, obviously it's part of my livelihood and it's part of what I love to do. It's it's. Uh, big part of my job and and i missed it just as much as everybody else did well my dad used to take me down to those games we started way back in the early 70s and it was always the same it was a dave cutler field goal in the last play of the game to win it and even went to the uh great cup game that part changed. yes that part has changed <laughs> but but you know what when you start doing that with your dad or an uncle or whatever where you're going down to calgary constantly on the labor day and uh, back in the day, too, it used to flip forth back and forth all the time. Uh, but it was always fun just to go down there. And I always felt that the fans were welcoming, but not too welcoming. But things have changed a lot over the last few years. It, was, it got tougher to get tickets if you're an Eskimo fan to go down there. The fan buses weren't running down there as much. And I always felt something got lost there. But there was always watching it on TV, Morley. Or listening on the radio. Part of it. Listen on the radio. I, I, I remember uh, watching it on TV for many, many years, and loved becoming a part of uh, of this great day and this great rivalry uh, when I began doing the games back in 2010. But uh, yeah, it's. I think you're right. The fan, the fan thing has kind of changed a little bit. Uh, I know, I know fans who stopped going to Calgary because they were they were getting abused and uh, they weren't having any fun, and they had to worry more about their safety than the football game. But that's really changed a lot. Uh, there's some of that in every pro sporting event, whether it's football, hockey, or baseball to a certain extent. But I think the CFL fan community is so different now. I think Twitter has really helped that. Social media has helped that because they're now together. I mean, they're, they're now, uh, they, you know, there's a group of Calgary fans and a group of Edmonton fans that will meet in Calgary and join together for that, uh, 
uh, tailgate in McMahon Stadium. And then they'll, the, the Calgary fans will come up here for the game on Saturday night and they'll join together here for the tailgate. And they'll see people they haven't seen since last Labor Day or since the last Labor Day rematch game. I think the fan approach to it and the fan uh, activity in the Canadian Football League is very different now. And I think we have social media to thank for that. And it's a, it's a pretty good step. It's a, it's a real group, good group of people out there who love the game. I hate your team, but I love the game they play. And I think that's the approach so many of them take. And it's, uh, it, it's kind of neat. I, that's one thing I've really uh, enjoyed and become accustomed to being a part of is that, is that group of, of fans on Twitter who love each other and uh, poke fun at each other and their teams. But at the bottom line is they're all just in love with the game in the Canadian Football League. Morley, you touched on this. Uh, fans obviously miss the game, but people like yourself, this is your job. Uh, people around the league, that's their job, including the players. And outside of a couple of guys on each team, I think it's fair to say nobody's getting crazy rich in this league. Guys have to work. In your mind, what happens next uh, from a team survival point of view? I'm not talking about Edmonton necessarily, but a year without that gate revenue, which drives this league. Uh, what does it mean to the teams in your eyes and, and to the players to put a human face to it? Yeah, I think the next few months are maybe the most critical months that the CFL is going to face ever. Um, they don't have to worry about planning a Grey Cup. They don't have to worry about uh, the things that surround that. They don't have to worry about the offseason, what they're going to do. It's here now, and they have time to build for 2021. 2021 is going to be uh, one of the most important seasons the CFL ever played because they have to come back strong they have to back viable they have to come back with a business plan that works for everybody and they have to come back with a bang uh, i think in edmonton it's going to be a little easier than other markets because they have the built-in bang because they're going to change their name and they're going to create an all uh, all sorts of uh, all sorts of things in the in the marketplace i believe going forward when they make that announcement i'm going to guess maybe in january but uh, the other teams aren't going to ha don't have that luxury. And I think the one thing, most important thing that has to get done right now is that the players and the league have to get in a room, get on the same page and, and save this league from itself. Uh, we've often heard, you know, through whatever labor issues that, that leagues have had that, though they can't afford not to play. Uh, this is the only time it's true. Um, it's been it's been said about many leagues before when they've had labor issues, but it's really true with the CFL. They do have a, a CBA in place for next year, but I don't know if that's a viable uh, business model now. And they will have to make some changes, and they will have to make it longer. And I think that uh, that's going to be the most important thing that happens. They have to prepare for 2021, and they have to be on the same page. They have to. Uh, just make sure that the business model works for everybody and everybody's going to have to take a hit. The, both sides are, are going to have to take a bit of a hit because the CFL never made a lot of money, but it did make some money and it's going to make less money uh, at least for a year or two moving forward. And uh, that means, you know, the salary cap is going to be flat or down. That means, uh, you know, revenue is going to be flat or down as like every other business that sells advertising it's tough right now, and it's, and you know they're obviously going to have a little bit of a time lag before they get out and start selling in the 
in the uh, in the uh, community again. But the teams are going to have to do that. They're going to have to find ways to talk companies into parting with their money and supporting their Canadian Football League team. And I think it's going to be a very, very important stretch over the next little while because they just can't open up and, and kick off next uh, next June and say, all right, let's go 2021. It's got to be something special. It's got to be, it's got to be big. It's got to be loud. It's got to be brassy. And uh, hopefully uh, CFL fans will, will be on board and there'll be a lot of people in the stadium. Okay. Let's stay with that for a second, because all three of us know Randy Ambrosi and we've watched him play in Edmonton. Uh, we know the guy, the only thing that, uh, and just touching on what you just talked about Morley, I didn't like the fact that kind of went, underground is it's like radio silence over the summer in a lot of ways and they didn't keep i don't this is my opinion i don't think they kept the fan base very informed as to what was going on and i hated that this is a league that really has always been very upfront with its fan base about what's happening and once again now that, that we know that there's no season it's gone quiet again do you think that they're making a mistake by not staying ahead of the story a little bit and just making sure that everybody knows exactly, exactly what's going on here? I wouldn't be surprised if they do that um, sometime in the fall, maybe in October, maybe around Grey Cup time. Uh, it's hard to come out right now and talk about something that you don't know how it's going to work. You don't know what the plan is. I hope there's, I hope they're the proverbial duck on the water, right? Nice and calm, but I hope their feet are going crazy underneath the water because that's what uh, that's what has to be happening right now. Uh, you, I, I do agree. In the summertime, they were pretty quiet, and and they were they were working hard to try and get stuff done, but it just didn't come together, and it, it left the fans in the dark. And I think maybe uh, most importantly, and 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 kind of made me more upset than anything else, it left the players in the dark. Uh, the players yeah. didn't know what was going on, and if you follow players on Twitter. You'd see them, you know, shooting out uh, tweets to the CFL saying, hey, what's going on? I got a job offer. Can I accept it? Are we going to play next week or do I need to accept this job? And that, I think, was tough. Like, don't forget, I, I'm fortunate enough to work for a company that I do more than just football. I'm also doing morning sports and still working in the sports department at 630 Ched. But a lot of those players, that's all they do. And they haven't been paid since November when they last got a game check. So, it's been a tough stretch because a lot of players, you know, they saved their money during the regular season to get them through the off season. While they did that, now they're out of money and they got to get through another season and another off season yet. So most players uh, have had to go out and get jobs. And, and you've probably noticed on social media, all the players are, they're starting up camps in their, in their neighborhoods. And you know, whether it's, you know, a DB doing a DB camp or a quarterback doing a quarterback camp, they're starting to do that. Uh, I'm sure for a fee, and some guys are getting regular jobs. I've, I've seen uh, some guys just tweet out saying, man, this is tough work at nine to five. I haven't had to do this in a long time. Uh, CFL work is hard and you're always working because you're working out all the time, but it's, it's different. And you're kind of your own boss, except for that four and a half hours a day during practice and, and, and on game day. So it's been a different life for the players. I feel, I feel bad for them. I hope that this all turns around quickly for them. And, and I hope that some of them are getting some subs, some uh, some help from the from the Canadian government. I hope some way the league can also help them out as they move forward. You know, you know this, Morley. This is uh, a, a group of, of different athletes. Uh, you've covered the National Hockey League. Uh, we know about the money there. Nobody begrudges uh, the players in that game what they make. CFL players are different, like I say, except for a couple of guys. Uh, I think of a guy like Calvin McCarty. Not only did he lose his uh, 
football income, he was a teacher's assistant that got cut um, in the cutbacks that have affected, you know, the real world job. So there's guys like that. They have families. They still have bills to pay. Um, I want to frame those situations in this. And I hate, I don't want to be the, the, uh, the dark cloud in the room, but this is something that we don't really control. We don't know when there's an end to COVID, and that's what's scary to me. We need a big 2021, like you say, but there's no guarantee that that happens. Exactly right. I mean, we're we're still talking about the NFL not putting uh, full houses in. Some teams have already said they won't have spectators all season. Some are going to be at 25% or 50%. Mm -hmm. Some say no spectators for the first two games and will readdress. So if you're going no games to the end of the season, that's into February now, right? Uh, and and then two months later, you start thinking about this Canadian Football League in, in March, April, and May as they get camps going in May, and we don't know what's going to happen. The NHL's talking about, we've heard stories now, they're already talking about maybe going in bubbles to start the season in November. There's no guarantee when fans can come back, and, and the CFL is kind of, they're kind of handcuffed by that because they're the only league outside, I, I guess the Western Hockey League has kind of stated that as well, saying that, uh, you know, if we can't have fans, we can't go forward. But that's the case for the CFL, too. If they can't have fans in the stands, I'm not sure if they'll be able to move forward or not. Um, you know, they had it set up to play in a bubble in Winnipeg if they got the uh, they got the, the, the money from the federal government that didn't come. And that would have probably, I guess, replaced some season, some some ticket revenue for them. But that's that's the biggest issue. There are so many questions that people who are organizing big events from sporting events to the big concert series to, you know, mm -hmm. the, you know, the Kentucky Derby, whatever the case may be, there are so many people who are planning events. They need answers and no one has them when you talk about COVID because no one knows how long it's going to be around. Looking at the way the bubble thing has worked, the National Hockey League, I think, has done a great job. And the other thing, too, the one thing, I, I was watching the golf over the weekend, too. Golf is is just moving right along like there's no real problem. And as much as I love crowds, uh, I think both of those organizations in particular have been uh, have been very solid in the way they've been able to pull things off. How have you, You're watching other events, too. You're not just uh, yeah. focusing on the CFL. Your thoughts and everything. Uh, uh, yeah, golf had a shaky start. Don't forget, they had... Yes. The first two or three tournaments, they had guys left and right and caddies left and right. Then they got serious. Baseball had an awful start. Yeah. They had an awful start to their season. But they seem to have it under control now as well. And they're not in a bubble. Their guys are going home at night. Uh, but they've got some strict rules in place. The NFL uh, announced today they've had one positive test this week of all the tests they've conducted. So they're doing a pretty good job. And when you think about where these teams are located, uh, many of them in the south, in the in the U.S., where there's been an all, you know all sorts of breakouts, uh, coronavirus-wise, it's it's pretty commendable what they've done and, and how they've uh, accomplished this. And they've obviously had buy-in from the players, and they've obviously had uh, buy-in from the teams, and they've done they've changed the way they they've done things. You know, whether it be whether they ha how they have meals, how they stay in hotels, how they get to the the ballpark, and stuff like that. And I think the CFL has a luxury because they're going to be able to use hindsight there. They're going to be able to talk to people in, in, in major league baseball, talk to people in the NFL, talk to people in the NHL and say, what did you do in these situations? How did you handle it? What do you think is the best way to handle it? And they can, 
they can find out some information from them. Let's hope they utilize that going forward. Uh, Randy Ambrose is a pretty smart guy. I think he'll be able to take advantage of that. I know uh, I talked to him just after the NHL put their plan out, and he said their whole office, before they, they didn't talk to anybody, but before anything else happened, they studied the plan of how the NHL was planning to do things as they were still putting their plan together for Winnipeg. So uh, they've got the luxury that way, the CFL does, of, of watching other leagues. Uh, I, the most interesting one to me is going to be the NFL because they're going to tell the tale about uh, non-bubble life because they're well-known for, let's say, stepping out. They're guys who, uh, who like to go out. Um, they're guys who uh, are... Uh, I'll say involved in their community for lack of a better phrase. Uh, not the way you see a CFL player involved in his community, but they're involved in uh, in his in their communities, and and they're not in a bubble, and uh, they're going to allow some spectators into games in some cities. So I think that the NFL is really going to be the test sport for everybody for their next season. I know the NHL, the NBA, they're locked up and they're going to finish up their season, and the NBA's done a, a tremendous job too, and and the NBA even. Maybe more so because they're doing it in Florida. I don't know if you've heard about Florida, but yeah. they have some coronavirus down there, right? So uh, I, I, I think that uh, there's a lot of data that's going to be at the CFL's uh, fingertips when they choose to start looking at it and make their plans for 2021, whether that be in their own stadiums, whether that be in one bubble or two bubbles whether that be with limited fans or half fans or no fans or full fans, they're going to have data at their fingertips to make decisions on. I got to say this, the uh, 13-year-old in our house, uh, he says, who's on the podcast today? I said, oh, um, Morley Scott. He's the uh, radio play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Football Club. And he says, how many hundreds of years have you known this guy? Well, you and I go back a long way. And, you know, every every time we get uh, somebody on, I always like to go back a little bit on how they got started and why they got started, you know, to kind of give something uh, a little different to the, the average listener of a podcast. But, man, we go back to the early, mid-'80s. Uh, yeah, early eighties, I would say, yeah, back at, uh, we first met when I was, uh, I was, uh, the volunteer sports director at CJSR radio at the university of Alberta. Wasn't going to the U of A. I was, as I like to call myself a stowaway at the U of A and, and, and working at the radio station. And I got my first real job in St. Paul, Alberta. And, uh, you were the guy who took over for me and that's where our paths first crossed. Uh, and, uh, then, I ended up uh, going to Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, and uh, doing some WHL. And you ended up in Moose Jaw doing some WHL. Uh, and our paths have uh, continued to cross uh, ever since. Uh, Robin, you and I do the same thing. Uh, not the 80s, but uh, I guess it'd be the early 90s when we first started uh, uh, covering Oiler games together and having uh, many. Uh, let's say contests on the road at restaurants uh, uh, over the years. So yeah, it's it's been a long time uh, that I've known both of you guys. Contests. Well, junior, you know, we, well, yeah. I mean, Morley kept roping me into these. Uh, <laughs> oh, Robin froze up. How appropriate is I that? Would, I, I would re- I would reluctantly enter them, but there were some doozies. Uh, Chicago, uh, um, Maggiano's. Maggiano's. I love that place. I got to admit, I used to walk, every time I walked out of there, 
I took one of their, they had really nice ashtrays with gold lettering on them. And at one point, I swear I had a stack of about 20 ashtrays from Maggiano's. They must have been wondering where they were. You know what? It was a, it was a lot of fun, but it's interesting too, Morley. Uh, you did the junior thing. Uh, Bryn did the junior thing. I was uh, in Kamloops way before the Aginlas and, and Strudwicks and Tyson Nashes came along, 84 to 89, uh, rode the buses. It's Oh, by the way, Morley, did you see that uh, McCrimmon, uh, Kelly oh. McCrimmon sold the Brandon Wheat case? Yeah, he's been, uh, I was re- just reading some stuff on that earlier today. I mean, he's owned that team, his family, like 28 years. He's been working there. I don't know how old he is now, but he's he's been, he, he played there, right? And then he's been, yeah. uh, he said his first gig, he was 28 years old and he was hired as assistant general manager. And he's been a part of the franchise ever since. So that's, that's got years, right? So uh, that's a big change in the Western Hockey League, big change. But what a great league it was and still is. It just, oh. The stories that we could tell out of there, the uh, Ernie Punch McLeans, uh, just to name a few, I, I, I just uh, – there, <laughs> yeah. there are so many – yeah, I just uh, – Jerry James, I had in Moose Jaw for a year and a half. I love Jerry, but, boy, a lot of people were scared of him. But there are a lot of people you like said that. that. You said Ernie, Ernie Punch McLean, and I will never forget as long as I live. I believe it was the 20th or 25th anniversary of the, uh, of the Western Hockey League in the 80s. Uh, at some point. I was in Prince Albert at the time, so it would have been mm-hmm. probably 84, maybe, 85 in that area. And uh, they had a, an all-star game in Regina. And I, well, was I was there too. The, I the was, anniversary. Yeah. And, and I will never forget ever sitting in the media lounge at the, uh, at the hotel and Ernie Punch McLean told the plane crash story. Yes. And I mean, it was a, it was a room full of media guys with free food mm-hmm. and free booze and nobody got out of their seat to get it because they just sat there and stared at punch as he told this great story. It was, uh, it was just fantastic. Uh, and, and he had everybody just on the seat of their pants. I mean, he's told the story uh, a million times and it's uh, probably maybe exaggerated a little bit, but I mean, to survive that, uh, you know, talked about following the, the barbed wire fence along the way with his uh, T-shirt tied around his eye and, and everything. Uh, just, a, just a great storyteller, a great character. And uh, I was lucky enough when I went back to the WHL for a year in 09-10 to get to know him a little bit when I was with the Vancouver Giants because he came to a lot of games. And, and uh, just one of the great, great characters in the game. You, you know, Brett, or I should say Morley, uh, I was a, a new Westminster Bruins fan from the moment they moved from Estevan pre-media days and in fact I skipped a practice or school to go to a practice once and we were sitting in the stands and pucks would come over the glass they were just crappy practice pucks and there was a janitor there swabbing the the uh, seats and the chairs and he'd look over at me and my buddy who cut class to come to this practice throw it back throw it back he was just a killjoy now at the end of the practice we lost out on, I don't know how many bucks at the stands in practice, but a dozen, 14. Finally, it's near the end of the practice. A puck comes over, it rattles around in the cheapo fiberglass uh, seats. I can see him looking over. He says, leave it alone. Up from the ice, a player shouts, let the kid have the puck. 
It was Lauren Henning, the captain of the Bruins with shoulder-length blonde hair when he had hair. And from that moment on, I was so sold on the Bruins that they started drafting Bruins like Henning, like Gord Lane on the island, all those guys. I went out and took a crap kicking at school for years till they got good because I was the first guy I knew who bought an Islanders jacket. And it was all because Warren Henning let me get that puck and he went to the Islanders. So there's a, a little side story there. That, and I actually told him about that once uh, and he laughed. He didn't remember it, of course, but uh, one of those things you don't forget when you're a kid. Cool story. I mean, it's, it's like I, my first go round with the Western Hockey League, uh, I guess actually it was probably, I don't know if it was even the Western Hockey League back then. If It was uh, in the 60s. When uh, we were in, uh, I lived in Flintflon, Manitoba, in the heyday of the Flintflon Bombers with Patty Gunnell and Bobby Clark and Reg Leach, Lou Morrison, and and uh, my parents were ministers, and the, the the arena was on Church Street, and uh, the ministers all got free season tickets, and and our church I, literally, uh, I don't know if you ever been to that arena or not, but literally across the parking lot from the Whitney Forum was where I lived at the back of the church that my parents ran. So uh, my parents weren't hockey fans, and I was, I don't know how old I was. I was i was little. I was aghast when you think back that they let me do it. But I used to get to go to the games on weekends, and I had to, I got to stay to the end of the second period, and then I had to come home to go to bed because I was, I was pretty young at the time. And I used to always love going to the game, and then I used to always go stand beside the gold judge. It was chicken wire, not glass back then. And I used to love to listen to the, the banter between the gold judge and the goalie. And, and the goalie for the Bombers then was Ray Martinek, uh, who, uh, who helped them to so many wins. And, and that's kind of my first uh, my first memory of the Western Hockey League and my first uh, and my first take of it. And, and I remember one time after a big flurry in his save, Ray Martinuk, the, the goal judge, said, to, said something to him and he turned around and he looked right at me and he said, pretty good save, eh, kid? And I went, good save, sir. Good save, sir. Did you uh, learn some new words through the chicken wire that you couldn't use across the street at home? <laughs> That's Man. a good point. Question. <laughs> hey, uh, before we you let, hey, before we let you go, Morley. Uh, so, are you optimistic or or a little negative about how the next six months are going to play it down for the CFL? I'm, I'm. I don't know how you guys have, have uh, done it, but I'm up and down every day. Every day, it's. Uh, I think maybe we got a handle on this, and then I hear stories about you know, COVID parties in the States. And I hear stories about people going to political rallies and all huddling around, uh, you know, uh, the president to, to, to listen to him talk, not wearing masks, not social yeah. distancing. Uh, then I hear the good stories about what people are doing and how they're trying to make a difference. And I feel good about it. It's, it's just an up and down process for me. Uh, I'm, I'd like to be optimistic about it all. I'd like to think that uh, the good side of, of human nature will win out over the dumb side. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm aghast at all these people who think this is a hoax and it's a government plan. And, and I, I wonder what the families of, of all the people who have died of this think about that idea. And, and I, I don't know when all the governments got together to plan this. But obviously, there was some secret meeting somewhere in a cone of silence with all the the presidents and prime ministers of all these countries planning this great uh, this great hoax that we're in the middle of. But yeah, I'm uh, it's it's been interesting. I'm fortunate enough that my family's been been healthy, 
and and stayed well. Uh, uh, welcomed a grandson into the world uh, just before everything shut down in in early March, and we went for a few months without being able to hold him, only seeing him through FaceTime. But you know, he's in our uh, he's in our bubble now, so we get to see him all the time, which is great. Uh, I, I I hope the the world can, can come out of this. Uh, the sad part is for Canadians is we live next door to the country that's handling it probably worse than any other country. And I think that's going to slow things down. Even when you look at the CFL side of things, that could slow things down for the CFL because so many of their players, uh, you know, come from, uh, come from the United States and, and come getting across the border is, you know, not allowed or not easy right now. So, uh, and, and what do they bring with them when they come? That's the other issue too. So uh, I'm, I'm optimistic. I hope we'll, hopefully we can get this all turned around and, and uh, I'm not a big fan of the new normal. I'd like to go back. I'm a routine guy. I'd like to go back to the old normal, if that's okay with everybody else. This is long overdue. Thanks for your time today. We uh, we can't thank you enough. But I guess you got a lot of extra time right now. No, I got uh, yeah. I got a few extra hours every day now yeah. that I don't go to football practice. So I'm okay. Play by play radio voice of the Edmonton Eskimos and whatever they're going to be called in the future. <laughs> Morley Scott from 630 Chid joining us. Thanks. This was a bell. This was a total blast. Loved it. Great talking to you today. Been fantastic. Thanks, guys. Pleasure to talk to you. That's all we can do. Good to see you guys. Take care. Stay safe. All right. Great stuff with Morley Scott from 630 Chid. We've been wanting to get Morley on for, I don't know, months. So it's great to finally have the opportunity to catch up with him. So uh, I enjoyed it. You know, it's fine. I got to say one thing, too. He brought up that story about Ernie Punch McLean. And every time I hear Ernie's name, I was at that same event that, that Morley was at in the same room in the Hotel Saskatchewan. And I remember being transfixed on the storytelling abilities of Ernie. But I also remember yeah. standing right next to Richard Dirksen, or Rick as I call him, who is uh, yeah. who's been with the Western Hockey League for such a long time. And just as the story was starting, Rick sat back and he said, "I want to hear how it finishes this time, because I think that the story has kind of meandered a little bit and becomes a little more dramatic <laughs> over the years. Yeah. But it was still a great story. And then there was another time. Remember where you get stranded someplace? Remember that story?" He got stranded, mm-hmm. or he his heart, his car had disappeared, and uh, my better half turned to me and said, "Oh, I hope they find that poor guy." I said, "It's Ernie Punch McLean. He'll find everybody. Don't worry fun. about. Don't worry about Ernie. He'll be yeah. fine." You know, but he the- was. Uh, you're you're right, Bryn. He was, and and again, I saw him back in the days when he was throwing sticks on the ice when and. It was interesting to have Morley on. The only place that was goofier than Flin Flon was Queen's Park Arena for a oh. long time with those Bruins clubs. They were good, four straight Memorial Cup appearances, and they were tough. And it, it was a it was a total uh, gong show there. But you know, it's it was great to have him on because him and I, as as is the case with you. We put a lot of miles on together when I was in the beat writer's seat along with somebody from the other paper and and uh, Morley was uh, riding shotgun for Rod Phillips all those years. Uh, a lot of fun on the road. He's made the transition to football uh, rather seamlessly. 11 years now, that seems like a blink of an eye compared to the guy who used to do it 
but uh, he's uh, he's terrific at it. I mean, he was he was the uh, analyst color man when Rod was calling the play by play. Now it's Morley, and I think he found his calling after all these years. Yeah, he's done a great job. Hey, before we go, the World Juniors this year in Edmonton and Red Deer. We're going to hear yeah. something in the next week or two, but it's starting to sound very much like it might be in Edmonton and Red Deer for two years, and this year would be without fans in the seats, and then hopefully if things turn around the following year, it would be with fans in the seats because there's a lot of money involved when you're talking about Canada involved yeah. in the World Juniors, and then Sweden would get pushed back a year, but I'm expecting some kind of a big announcement very quickly to come out of uh, the International Ice Hockey Federation. Of course, Bob Nicholson's got his fingerprints all over that organization as well, so we'll see how that plays out. And that's I pretty much it. I hope you're right, Brent. Yeah, I, I hope you're right. Uh, I hope uh, things go as we hope they will on a lot of fronts. I don't know that the new normal will be the same as the old, but I can't wait to get on with some actual uh, live sporting events where people can go watch and um you know talking with morley the canadian everything let's get back playing because that's going to mean hopefully that we're over this at least for the time being that is it for today before we go we have to uh just tell everybody and we've been getting more emails and i love it you can email us at mightymouth at shaw.ca that's my email address so i'll get back to people pretty quick so that's mightymouth at shaw.ca. The other thing we have to tell people is we have a Twitter account. And the Twitter account is at Outsiders2020. So that's at Outsiders2020. You can track us down that way. The other thing, too, we really need your support in terms of retweeting uh, when our show is up and running so we can get more people listening. And it's growing every podcast. Got to say, we love that. So subscribe and follow our RSS feed. It's on all your uh, favorite ear candy sites, you know, from Apple to Google, yeah. Spotify. Uh, the, the, there's a lot of different uh, podcast sites. You can check us out. Pocket Casts is a really good one as well. Tune in radio. So there's a lot of different ways to hear us. And uh, so just tell your friends. That's uh, more than anything we can ask of you. And uh, we have fun doing this show for you. And then the other thing, too, we're looking for sponsorship because for us to continue this down the road, you know, it's kind of nice to uh, cover off our costs. And there's some costs involved. Our time is a, is a big one. But we do love doing this. So make sure that if, uh, if you'd like to get your company's word out, we'll make sure that your uh, company does get the word out. So it's pretty simple as far as that goes, Robin. Yeah, if you like what you hear, let people know. If you'd like to be a part of it, let us know, and we'll we'll uh, keep moving forward. And uh, we like obviously we're a day late because of Labor Day. We needed a a day off ourselves, so uh, so we're back up and running. And uh, more guests. Ken Reed is going to join us on our next podcast. He'll be one of the guests. Ken's at Sportsnet, one of the anchors, has a new book out. Do you know Do you know very much about this book? I think it's about a bunch of the guys who scored one goal in the National Hockey League. One. Interesting. One goal. Your your story begins and ends by being a one goal scorer, I believe it is. 
Well, I'm looking fun to talk. Oh yeah, it's always fun to talk to Kenny. He's a he's a total blast. So that's coming up in our next podcast, and much much more. There's going to be lots to talk about. There's uh, there's no denying that. Uh, Robin, thanks for your time, and we'll talk to you again next week. Okay. You sure will, Bryn. Thanks, man. was recorded earlier because we were ashamed to do it now.